Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto, and I'm joined by my good friend, Brandon Cameron. What's going on, buddy? Hey, buddy. How's it going, man? Doing pretty good, pretty good. Uh, so the Leafs taking on the Dallas Stars tonight, yeah. the ever-so-associated non-Maple Leaf. Everyone wanted to be a Maple Leaf at one point. Tyler Sagan <laughs> and the Dallas Stars hosting the Leafs in Dallas. Stars coming off a 3-2 overtime victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning Monday night. Leafs come in off of a 5-2 victory over the Nashville Predators. So both coming in with uh, riding high, both with similar records. Dallas 60 points, Leafs 59 points, which I found was interesting because I think if you look at the standings, everyone in Leafland is pretty upset with how the season's gone, yet the team is... Pretty on par with Dallas, whom everybody is like associating with a pretty successful season so far. Yeah, I think that's actually really funny. <laughs> like, um, and, that, and it's not like Dallas didn't have any expectations. No, I know. Year. They have very high expectations. I, I, I picked Dallas to go to the cup final this year at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Like, I, I full-on predicted them to go to the cup final. And I'm – even, like, me being from, like, Toronto, like, I still have the opinion that Dallas is a – Stanley Cup contender in that in that category and or in a similar category in the West. They even but had they're not they're literally not any better than Toronto. No, well, uh, <laughs> they've even had similar record. Like they've had a similar record, but even if you look at their path, they both have new coaches midway through the year. Like they've both gone through coaches for different reasons. Obviously, there was uh, Montgomery was more of the off ice yeah. behind the scenes. Nothing's really come out about exactly what happened, but. Um, Still, a, a new coach had to come in. They had to change their systems up a little bit. Um, I think a really big reason for them and the reason why they're having success is Ben Bishop, who yeah. last week when we did our, our awards giveaways, you had Ben Bishop as your Vezina winner. Yes. So that's going to be somebody who the Leafs are going to have to zero in and key on tonight is trying to get pucks past Ben Bishop. Yeah, and I don't think Toronto – from – the times that I've seen Ben Bishop play against the Maple Leafs, he hasn't really ever dominated them. Like he, uh, I don't, I can't recall a specific time that Ben Bishop was just like so good in a game against the Maple Leafs, where it's just like, wow, that guy's really, really good. Because there's there's goalies cr- across the league that you kind of just get like you just run into when you're hot and you can't beat them. Like Georgiev's done it a couple times against the Leafs. Yeah. Vasilevsky does it all the time. Tuukka Rask kind of does to some extent when he needs to. I haven't really seen that moment from Ben Bishop against the main players. It'd be cool. To, it'd be cool to see it tonight. I mean, as a Leafs fan, that would suck. But why would it be cool? I don't know. You don't like you don't like seeing other players do cool things and against your team. No, no, really. I, like, I, I live for it. I it's like what, cool things, as in they allow nine goals. Those kind of cool things. I appreciate that. Yes. No, I like when I like when cool things happen. Like <laughs> a when forty-two the, save shutout. No, I'd rather that not happen. 42 safe shutout with only highlight reel stops. Yeah, all no. of them backdoor one-timers. No. <laughs> I'd rather that didn't happen. No, I think that'd be awesome. That'd be great. It'd be great. It's great for the sport. It gets you exposure to cool things, right? Yeah. Like McDavid's goal against Maple Leafs a couple of weeks ago. I'm glad yes. that happened to the Leafs. I'm glad I got to witness that. That was sick. Yeah, no. It was, you know what I mean? Like, it I, It's cool, cool to be a part of a cool moment in NHL history. You know what I'm saying? I suppose. Cool. I suppose. And I guess now with, you know, you, to – you know, not to bring a somber mood on things, but, you know, here in Toronto, you know, Kobe, the death of Kobe Bryant kind of makes you remember the 81 points that he had against yeah, the exactly. Toronto Raptors. And, you know, the city of Toronto has that, um, 
you know, at the time it's like, oh my God, he just dropped 81 on us. That's, that's ridiculous. Like that's embarrassing. I can't, it had to be us, but now you look back and it's like, yeah, no, that happened to us. Like we'll always have that, yeah, that exactly. memory, that connection with our city here in Toronto and Kobe Bryant. And, you know, I thought the Raptors did a great job last night, kind of, um, um, kind of, celebrating you know kobe and, and and did a great tribute to him um but kind of get back to the leaves i, I just I, I think tonight's gonna be key because you know a win against nashville is nice but they're not playing great this year i don't think that they're a playoff team this year uh but dallas is a playoff team and these are the games where you're going to have to win against. I don't know. I get it. They're, they're not a playoff team within your conference. So, you know, these points don't matter as much in terms of, you know, you're trying to take points away from Dallas. But still, you have those cross-conference matchups. And, you know, you don't see them that often. You only see them twice a year. You want to try and get those wins. Um, and, you know, I think tonight's going to be important because it's, it's the – Unofficial second half of the year. He had a good inning against Nashville. I thought Freddie Anderson played really well, considering how poor he was leading up to the All-Star break. And I think that going into the second half of the season, they really need to get going and pick up some pick up the pace here because they're two points out of playoff spot, and that can't happen. <laughs> like just at this point in the season, they got to get themselves back into it and get going. I actually disagree with you on that. Freddie Anderson played really well against Nashville. I thought he was fine. Well, yeah, I thought he was fine. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I didn't think I thought, he was particularly well, one great. One goal was was no good, but either that now he made thirty four. I, I mean, he, he only let in two goals, which is a win for Freddie Anderson over the course of the last couple of weeks, where he's put up fours and five spots left and right. So it's nice to have one where it's only gave up a two spot. But I mean, look at the last few minutes I didn't of that he was, game. He didn't look great. He didn't look like he was a little shaky. He. He had some rust, he, but I mean, it's obviously a sign that he is figuring it out and is yeah. getting better, but I don't think it was a Picasso, to say the least. Anyways, that's besides the point. That was, that was, that was Monday. Yeah, today's, okay. today's Wednesday. We're trying to, we're moving forward against Dallas. Um, Wednesday. So the stars though, and, and this is kind of why I bring up the goaltending issue here, you know, the stars are the number one goaltending team in the league. You know, they've only allowed 120 goals against, and that's number one in the league compared to Toronto, who's allowed 163 goals. Um, so keeping the puck out of the net is going to be very important tonight. And I think Freddie Anderson's going to he's gonna have to be the MVP tonight for the Leafs to get the win. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, they pot a couple goals early on. They just... They lock it down. I think they can beat them. Dallas's offense isn't really anything to write home about right now. It's starting to pick up. I, Are they Jamie, to pick up? Well, Jamie Bennett had a couple of goals the other night against Tampa, and and I know he's had uh, you know last season he kind of fell off a little bit, and this season he's had a really slow start. But uh, I don't know. Maybe after the All Star break, kind of rejuvenated him. He had a little bit of a break, and he came out Monday was playing really well. Um, so I think that okay. if Jamie Ben's going, that's your heart and soul of the team. And yeah. That's going to kind of get everybody like, going. Drags everyone in the mix, right? Yeah. Like know, when you have a guy like that that's actually going for a night, like yeah. he, he he brings you into a fight. <laughs> exactly. So he's a guy that, you know, that line that you're going to have to try and kind of 
zero in on, you know, Radulov, another guy who's, you know, a threat to score every time he's out on the ice. Tyler Sagan, obviously. Radulov's the one that actually really scares me because he always, he like, whenever I, because I always sleep on him when I'm thinking about, like, good players on Dallas, players to, like, look out for. I always sleep on him, and then he always does something, like, incredible. Like, he always just torches you. Well, he can just have a three-point night randomly. Yeah, he like, does a, he can have a five-point night randomly. He can go, like, six games without scoring and then just have, like, two goals and an assist and Dallas wins 5-1, and he's a big part of it. Yeah. He can do that. That's what he does. Like, every four games. Every five games. Like, it's, it's, he's, he's, a, he's a weird talent. He's weird a talent. Weird talent. Here. Very, very. And, like, he always ends up with, like, around a point a game. Yeah. But he's never, he never scores every game. That's the thing, right? That's kind of he's kind of an he's an intriguing player. Think about it. Is there anything in this matchup that you're hoping to uh, hoping to see tonight? Um, I kind of want the honestly, I want the offense to just open up. <laughs> like the two, like Dallas and Toronto, kind of they're kind of parallels to me. Like I see them as like I see them in a similar way where Dallas is kind of this underachieving team in the West. They went on a run last year. They were within the conference and the semifinal semifinals. They were they lost to St. Louis in the second round, right? I believe so. Um, yeah, they they went on a little bit of a run last year. They overcame a hurdle. They fell short to the Cup winner. Leafs kind of done that historically throughout their third time here. Um, they have similar talent levels, I would say. I guess the Maple Leafs forward group is probably a little more talented than Dallas is. But I think Dallas, I think Bishop's probably the better goalie than Freddie Anderson. Dallas' defense is better than Toronto's defense. So. They kind of, I think they kind of balance each other out a little bit. Um, well, it's funny when you look at the comparison of team stats. You know, Toronto number one for goals for Dallas twenty eighth goals against Toronto twenty sixth Dallas first. Yeah, like it's just that parallel. You look at the power play. You know, Toronto's got one of the best power plays in the league at sixth. Dallas twenty first, but they have the sixth best PK, where the penalty kill for Toronto is at twenty fifth. So See? it's like they literally. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, this they game actually... matches up to be a. Uh, yeah, like a very good game, like a really good matchup. Like you got the sixth power. Like Dallas play. is good at Dallas is good at what Toronto's not particularly good at, and Toronto's good at what and Dallas is. Like it's kind of interesting. So like it's, it's a decent matchup. Yeah, it's, I think it's gonna be a really good matchup. It should be a really fun game too. Um, I would love to see this in a series, to be honest. Well, it'd have to be a Stanley Cup. It'd be a Stanley Cup. What are you predicting out of tonight? What am I predicting out of tonight? Any predictions? Um, I guess it's a four-three win for the Maple Leafs. If I had to. That's what I think is going to happen. I think the Leafs are going to come out buzzing because they kind of need to. Yeah, <laughs> they don't really have time anymore to to lollygag through a through a Wednesday night matchup against the Western Conference team. They've kind of lost all of their chances to do that. They they have to have a good effort and they have to come out on top tonight, or at least at the very least, sorry, at the very least with a point. Yeah, I think for sure the the Leafs are getting to the point where pun intended, they got to get points. Like, at this point in time, nice. that's that's what they got to do. Uh, I think it's, you know, very similar. I'm going to say 4-2, and I think William Nylander extends his goal-scoring streak to five straight. I can see that. Willie, Willie's buzzing. Yeah, Willie's man. been buzzing he, lately. He set a, a new record, uh, a new career high. career high with 23 goals against Nashville. And then he was asked yesterday in practice, you know, like, are you hoping to keep the hot streak going? And he's basically said, this isn't a streak. I think I just learned how to score. I can score. And I know <laughs> I can score. This is me. I'm going to go out there and try and score as often as I can. And he's on pace now for, I believe, 36 goals. Something like that. So, I mean, 35. If he can get 
you know, between 30 and 35 goals. That's a, that's a heck of a year for William Nylander. I mean, he was technically given a comeback player of the year award at the midway mark by the, the professional hockey writers. I don't know if I would consider him a comeback player because his circumstances were a little off. It wasn't his play dropped off because he was bad. It was A, bad luck. B, he got off to a really slow start because he didn't start until December. Yeah. So but that I, was I, kind of a nah, The thing is, I don't think that disqualifies him as the comeback player of the year. I just like I think the, there's that's others. Still a comeback. Well, I'd say that there's others that, that qualify more, in my opinion. But okay. Maybe we could talk about that at the end of the year when the Comeback Player of the Award is officially given out. Is that actually an official award now? I don't think it's an official award. I think it's just something the writers just The writers of, do, yeah. The writers just like a sign. It's Maybe. not really an actual award, I don't think. Regardless, we can still talk about it. That's still <laughs> months away, months away. There's still a long time to go. Uh, all right, to Leafs, Dallas. I think puck drop at uh, 7.30. If I'm not mistaken, so that should be a fun game. Uh, all right, so coming up after the break, we're gonna have a discussion here because Twitter kind of took over and they've been discussing in a 2018 redraft where would Rasmus Sandin go, and we'll discuss that on the other side. All right, welcome back to Locked On Leafs podcast, Mike DeStefano alongside Brandon Cameron. So the 2018 draft was held. Funny enough, in Dallas last year, and uh, or I guess two years ago technically, um, Rasmus Dahlin was the guy going in. You know, he was the the prodigy defenseman out of Sweden. He's going to be a number one shutdown guy, two way guy. He could really do it all, um, and and he was going number one no matter what. Yeah, right. Like he was, you're falling for Dahlin. That's what you're nice. doing. Um, Svechnikov ended up going number two. Kakinami went third to Montreal. Brady Kachuk went fourth to Ottawa. And then Barrett Hayden was kind of a surprise to Arizona at fifth. He went on to have a, a great World Juniors for Team Canada. And uh, I'm sure Arizona's stoked about that pick still because he does look like a heck of a player. Yeah, he looks good. Um, but is that still the way that the draft would unfold if we were to do a redraft today? No, not for me. I don't think so either, which is why we're going to have this conversation. Now, we're going to specifically kind of see, we're going to go through our, our, our top five, but we're going to specifically see if Rasmus Sandin falls into the top five. He was taken 27th, I believe. Probably should look that up first. But he was taken pretty 29. late. 29th, yeah. He was taken pretty late in, in the first round, 29th overall. And I think, uh, are you sure? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> he's taking 29th overall, um, and I think uh, I think at the time that was kind of about where we thought he would go. That's where he was projected. We look at everybody's rankings and, and scouting reports and stuff. You know, late 20s, um, mid to late 20s, and, and that's where he went. But now I think after the first 10 games, he's been outstanding. There's been a lot of buzz on Twitter about he may have worked himself into as high as the top three of the draft in a redraft. So we're going to go ahead. I'm going to give you my five. You're going to give me your five. And let's see if Sandine makes his way into the top five of this draft. So number one, I'm sticking with San- with Rasmus Dahlin. I, I don't think like, – I still think that he's going to be a tremendous talent. Um, he's had some injuries early in his career. So that's unfortunate. That's kind of 
derailed him from becoming a, a stud superstar. I mean, he's still like a sophomore. Like he's still so yeah, young. He's still got time. But he's still so good when you watch him play. Like he's amazing. The, the talent level's still there, right? Yeah. That's that's the thing. It's it, not like yeah. It's not like that's completely gone from his game. He just ran into some injuries early on in his career. Yeah, but he's still number one. Yeah. Number two, Andrei Sveshnikov. I'm also leaving there at number two. I think this is a guy who is going to be a 40-goal scorer year in and year out once he finally gets going. He got off to a really, really hot start this season. I thought for sure he was going to get to the 40 mark. Seems like he'd slow down a bit now. He's only got about 18 or 19 goals. Um, but still, for a... A nineteen-year-old kid—that's that's really good. You know what special God reminds me of? What I imagined everybody was thinking JVR would end up being when he was drafted second overall. Mm, I saw JVR more of a power guy, where Special God is more as a shooter, though. Special is a pretty powerful man. Dude. I know. He's I a, know he is. He's, he's, a, he's a big. Un- he's a big boy. I fully understand that, but he's got an unreal shot. Yeah, I guess Unreal he's got a, I, Yeah, I mean, obviously his shot like, is a little bit better, but I mean... Sveshnikov is, it gives you more... I mean, you never want to compare him to a guy like Ovechkin, but he's got more of an Ovechkin-esque profile than he does JVR. Oh, I think he has more of a powerful... Maybe it's the, I, I, maybe it's the Russian me. in him, but... I think Svech reminds me of a big, uh, an old-school power forward, but Anyways. like with actual skill. Anyways, so that's number two. Number three is where, in my opinion... It starts to change. Yeah. I'm taking Quinn Hughes at number three. Defenseman for the Canucks. He's been unbelievable. Made the all-star team in his rookie season at that. And he's just been great. An amazing find. He was taken seventh overall. And uh, I remember when I was watching, I couldn't believe that Quinn Hughes fell to seven. Like, I, it was just mind-boggling that the draft unfolded in a way. And Barrett Hayden kind of threw a wrench into a, a, this draft where, you know, it seemed like Zadina and Hughes were locks to go top six. Yeah. And then Hayden went five and it was like, okay, one of those are going to end up falling to Detroit at six and then Vancouver at seven and, and ended We're up being in. Hughes. Uh, all right. Number four, Brady Kachuk. I think Brady Kachuk still comes in at number four. Uh, I think he's been outstanding. For Ottawa, I think uh, he's a guy who could be a future captain, if not Thomas Shabbat, but he's a guy who this team loves, and I think he's he's a pest. He's a he's a, uh, a, bugger, he's a piece of crap. He's a little bugger. Yeah, did you see that fight he had, fight <laughs> yeah. he had with Subban the other day? Did you see him in the penalty box doing the, making fun of P.J. Subban? Dude, he ragdolled him. I know. Like, Subban is a man, a man. And Brady Kachuk, 19 years old, toss him around the ice like he was a little boy. Did you see them in the penalty box too, though? Or, no, I didn't. Uh, like afterwards, uh, I don't know. I think it was a different, like, I think they had a roughing minor, the two of them, like beforehand, like before, like they even fought. But like uh, in the penalty box, Brady Kachuk was doing this thing that was just making fun of PK Subban. Like he was like, that doesn't really translate to a podcast, but he was doing like, he was just making fun of like PK Subban's like whole being where because PK Subban is more of a brand now than he is a hockey player because he kind of is. Brady Kachuk's a little shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but he's a good player. He's a good player. So I think he, he comes in at number four Yep. and uh, kind of sticks there at number four. Number five. I think this is the peak of where you could put Sandine. I think he's in the conversation at number five. 
But I still think that if this was a redraft, I, I believe that I'm probably going to take the guy who I thought would be the fifth pick, if not the third pick in this draft when it was happening, Philip Zadina. Uh, Zadina, he's going to be a top six guy. He's actually started to finally pick it up for the Red Wings, um, and he's starting to really get going and learning how to play in the NHL. You know, He's still another kid who's super, super young, and he's trying to figure it out on a very bad team which sometimes is difficult to do. Like when you're <laughs> yeah, a, a, a scorer like Zadina, you know, you kind of, you need somebody to get you the puck. And there's not many guys outside of Dylan Larkin on that team who can do that. I'm pretty sure Larkin's hurt, isn't he? Mantha's hurt. Mantha's hurt. I think Larkin, is Larkin hurt right now? I know he skipped out on the All-Star, but I think he's just skipped out. I don't yeah, know if he right. skipped yeah, out. Yeah, no, you're right. I think he did just skip out. Because I remember that, that whole thing he did where it yeah. wasn't where Everdome was like attacking him because he was oh, like. said it means nothing. Yeah, essentially, like he, he, he discredited he, the All Star. Yeah, like, which I mean, he's not necessarily wrong. <laughs> so, but I think here there's like a group of of four or five that you can kind of from five to ten. You could really put it anywhere. Like I could put Sandine there, and I wouldn't blink an eye. I think, but you know, I think Zadina still has so much potential that if I were still doing this draft and they're still so young, that I think I want to take the goal scorer. Because it's so hard to score goals in the NHL. It's so hard to score goals. And I think Zadine is a guy who is, is somebody who will consistently score you 30 to 35 goals year in and year out once he finally Thanks rounds out into the player that you know I think he can be. And I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I will take that. Um, and then after that... Maybe Z- uh, Sandine comes in at six, and then Gregory Denisenko uh, and Kakaniemi. You know, there's there's Adam Bokvist. a few players. Adam Bokvist, Evan Bouchard. You know, there, there's a few players there that on Noah Dobson as well. Though another defenseman. You know, there's there's a bunch of guys here that I think are are worthy of being top ten picks. And and from five to ten, it's kind of a crapshoot. Yeah, like crap p- pick who you want. I think that top four is pretty solidified, and then five through ten. Put whoever you want wherever, and I won't blink an eye. Yeah. So you could put Sandine there. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to it. But I personally would probably put Zadina at five, and then Sandine just behind them at six. All right. Who do you got in your top? Uh, one? my top three is identical to yours. Okay. Uh, Dalene, Svech, and then Quinn Hughes. I think they're by far the three most developed players out of this draft class so far. Also, if you are curious about what Quinn Hughes has done, Harmon Dial of The Athletic put out a fantastic article outlining how Quinn Hughes has been better than Rosmus Dahlin so far through their careers. And he's not saying that uh, Hughes is the better player, but if you look at all the stats, all the advanced stats and all the analytics and everything, Hughes has outperformed Dahlin. Yeah, I actually totally agree with that. I think he probably has, but I... The reason I would keep Darlene at one is because Darlene is still. I agree. Which yeah, why his I talent level is, is his ceiling is higher than what Quinn Hughes is in 100%. my opinion. So, plus Quinn I'll, Hughes I'll take like the bet up. five foot nine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he's, he's not a big dude. I, I would take I would take what Darlene provides over what Quinn Hughes provides if I had the choice. Yeah, who do you got at four? You number, said uh, yeah, four. so number four is where it kind of gets different. I know I said I was going to keep Brady Kachuk there, but I changed my mind. I said it off air that I thought Kachuk would have stayed at four, but I'm actually going to throw in uh, throw in my boy Rasmus Sandin at four. Yeah, you think? Eh? Yeah. Um, I think what Sandin has done over the course of the last two years is done nothing but prove everybody wrong. 
Yeah. Like, he just proved, what, he was 29, so he proved 28 other teams wrong for not taking him in the first round. Well, he was taking the first round. I'd like, you know what I mean? Like, 28, dude. <laughs> I know, I know, teams I know. passed on this guy. And if I'm if I'm sitting here as the let's let's use a hypothetical team that could use a defenseman here. Well, let's take a team who took a defenseman. Let's let's look yeah. at Edmonton who took Evan Bouchard at eight. Yeah, let's look at Edmonton took Evan Bouchard at eight. Who would you rather at this point? Evan Bouchard or Rasmus Sandin? I'm taking Rasmus Sandin all day of the week. Yeah, because he's proving that he can play in the NHL already, and he looks good. Exactly. I think what Sandin provides. Is he had, like? I think the reason he slipped is because it was really hard to measure his. Because Sandin's a really smart player, like he's a really, really like intellectual guy on the ice. From what I've seen, like he, like he thinks the game really well, and that's kind of hard to measure out of a player coming out of junior, right? He's got a really great IQ. I mean, like, I, I, I talked about it's it. Next in, level. Like I talked about it in the game after uh, Nashville. Just look at the play that he made to get the puck up to to Nylander. That was a heads-up play. He got the puck in his own zone out of the corner or um, off the wall and then just saw that Nylander was kind of cutting in and he just kind of tossed it in between two defensemen to where Nylander was going to be. Nylander ends up getting it in stride, goes in on a breakaway and and scores the game's opening goal. It was just a heads-up play that are uh, you don't necessarily think a rookie – of 10 games would make, but he just has the poise of a 10 year vet. He's got balls, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, for lack confidence. of like, yeah, he's got like, confidence. He's got, he's, like he, he thinks the game really well. He sees what he can see the play developing and then he just makes it happen. But they did, did is too. He's not changing his game based on a league he's playing. In. He's playing the same game as if he's playing against the same opponents. And he has the confidence and he knows that he can do the same plays that he was doing before in the NHL. The most impressive thing to me is how simple he makes it look. And that's what like, I mean. He makes it look effortless. Because like, it's, it's as if he's been doing it for 10 years. I know. It's, it's like, I think he's more than earned a top five spot. Like, I think at least in this draft class, like, I just... To, to, you know, to, to me, it's just the fact that it's been 10 games. Yeah. No, right? I, the sample I, size is not large, where, you know, Darlene, Svechikov, Hughes, Kachuk, Zadina, they all have a lot more time on their hands. Um... From, Even Kod Kiniemi, if you want to throw him into that mix, you know they've all played pretty much uh, at least half a season of hockey, uh, not ten games. For me, what's what's shown me, what's given me confidence in Rasmus Sandin to actually do it on a regular basis is that he's done it everywhere he's been this year and last year, right? Yeah, where he he's done nothing but show you that he can just do. He'll just keep doing what he's going to do. Well, even one. Best defenseman at the World Yeah, Juniors. exactly. Like, he just we went to the World... Like, he started in the NHL. He looked fine. He got rocked by that one hit in Detroit. Got sent down, which is fine. Dominated the AHL. Went to the World Juniors. Dominated there. Came back. Looks the same in the NHL. Yeah. Like, he's just done nothing but show you that he can do it anywhere he goes. Because the way he thinks the game is really conducive to success in the NHL, I think. Um, but it's just hard to quantify, and that's why I think teams missed on him in the draft. I think that must have been what happened. Like, that's the only thing I could possibly think of. And then at five, I would, uh, I'd still slot Brady Kachuk. I just think Brady Kachuk isn't the bell. Like, he's still developing. That's why I wouldn't put him in the... That's why I would let him below Sandine, where Kachuk's... He's a bit of a different player, right? Yeah, I know. So. I, 
I, I like what I do like Chuck a lot. I think he's a good player. He's got some, he's got some jam. Always some got skill. jam. It's always, always got jam. That spicy jam. He's got some skill. I just he's got that I, red pepper jam. The thing with Brady Chuck is I, I want him to develop his. I want him to develop his skill a little more. Yeah. Like I, I think he's still a little raw for me to, to definitively say he's above those guys. That's the thing too, yeah. right? Like it's a 2018 yeah. redraft. Like most of these guys in this draft haven't played a game in the NHL, yeah. like at all. But they could very well turn out to be top five players, like realistically. Um, but no, that's that's a little bit of a fun exercise. I just kind of want to have that conversation because I did see a lot of people. I mean, probably recency bias and based on the people that I have on my Twitter timeline. But there's a lot of conversation about Sandine working his way up into a top five in a 2018 redraft, and. Uh, I think we both proved that that's the case. You had him solidified at, the, at four. At the very least, he's t- he's worked himself into a top ten conversation. A hundred percent top ten like conversation. If you, if he's I had him at six, but he easily I could flip a coin and put him at five, and it wouldn't bother me either. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so putting an end to that conversation, and then we'll play some cosine no sign on the other side. All right, welcome back to Lockdown Leafs Podcast. Mike DiStefano alongside Brandon Cameron. Let's play some cosine, no sign. You know how it works. I got three. You got three. I'll let you go first as the guest. Okay, so this one I'm really happy about. Uh, I Can I preface it with a little story? It was a little, little, it's a very quick story. Sure. So I work yesterday. Somebody texted in uh, with this hypothetical here. So this is what it is. Uh, Morgan Riley is the DeMar DeRozan of the Maple Leafs. A really likable guy who loves playing in Toronto, but needs to be the sacrificial lamb the Leafs need in order to get the piece that they've been missing forever. Oh, wow. Wow. I really liked it. I thought it was a really good thing to text into a show. Wow. Um, Like, it makes you think, right? I'm going to say no sign, only because there's, like, Morgan Riley's still a really good player, I think. He's having a tough season. But at the end of the day, I don't think taking away one of your best defensemen makes this team strong enough to be considered cup contenders. Can I can I challenge that thought a little bit? Yeah. If the Leafs re-sign Jake Muzzin, their left side's Jake Muzzin, Travis Dermott, Rasmus Sandin, Morgan Riley, right? Mm-hmm. One of those four guys isn't going to play on the left side. Or... Not be in the lineup. Right. Right? Yep. What if you move Morgan Raleigh for someone on the right side? I get that, like, but what it's, if, what it's if almost a lateral move. Like, how much better of a player do you think you could get than Morgan Riley by trading him? Well, if you trade Morgan Riley, maybe Andreas Johnson or Gary Kapanen, you could get Alex Petrangelo. I mean, they at least wouldn't do that because he's not under contract, but if it's a sign-and-trade... I don't know. If it's a sign and trade, why wouldn't that work? I don't know. I I just, to me, if you're looking at a sacrificial lamb, it's got to be one of the forwards um, just because they're so top-heavy up there. And I think that this team's going to need, you know, a player. They need to add to the defensive corps, not just use one guy to get a little bit better. I think they need to just flat-out add in order to, to be successful. So I think taking away Morgan Riley to add to that, doesn't it's not that much of an addition you're just getting a little bit better you're not completely shoring up the back end 
I don't agree with that. I think that solves a lot of their problems. <laughs> I don't know. Because I don't think I don't think there's a there's a, unless they plan on moving Travis Dermott to the right hand side, which I could see. But I mean, I could see it, but they haven't done it. <laughs> they haven't had to yet. They haven't they haven't tried it. I, yeah, I guess you're right. they haven't really had the opportunity to, but I mean, I think personally now that Dalene's back, I think ideally you look at the lineup, and you have Riley, Barry, Muzzin, Hall, Sandine, and then you flip Dermot onto the right. That would be my ideal lineup going into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, like, unless they... Uh, uh, Cody CC uh, trade no, him. Cody CC's out. Send him to the minors, sit him in the penalty box, or sit him in the press box. I don't really care. Just get him off the ice. No, Co- Cody CC's out. Like, there's no... No one really expects Cody CC to be a Maple Leaf after the devil. Like, I mean, he might be a Maple Leaf, but he's not going to be playing... No, much well, longer. When the Leafs are healthy, healthy like, decor. If you recall what you know earlier in the season, it seems like with their statistics that the Leafs have, he's playing well. You know the numbers that we all look at apparently doesn't look too good. The eye test doesn't look too good, but their numbers, unless he, they're just totally blowing smoke. Well, actually, look. Well, if the Leafs, the thing is, <laughs> here's the thing: if the Leafs are actively trying to move Cody Cece, they're not going to go on record and say. This guy's analytics are trash. We Anyways, hate this guy. We got to move on from this question. Um, okay. All right. I got one for you. Okay. The Leafs will make a move for a legitimate top four defenseman. So very similar. Uh, Yes. I co-sign. Uh, there's there's no way they go into the deadline and don't come out with a defenseman. A right, a right shot defenseman. Matt Dumb has been in the rumor mill a yeah, little there's, bit. There's a 0% chance they don't come out of it with a with that. Like... Mm-hmm. They make something happen. They they know they need it. They have to. They don't really have any other options here. They they need to they need to get going. Good. The problem is, uh, Bob McKenzie came out and said that Sandine untouchable, Lilligren untouchable, Nick Robertson untouchable, and they don't want to trade any more first round picks. Yeah. You're not gonna get that like I don't know if a guy like Andres Janssen really gets you a legitimate top four defenseman. Not if he's the best piece. That's not, what, yeah, not if he's the best piece. That's what I mean. So if you're not moving any of those guys, but it depends on what, what are you moving? Like, it depends if you're on what not moving a first round pick, how are you going to improve enough without being willing to give? Like, you got to give to get. And it doesn't seem like the Leafs are willing to to break away any major the, pieces of their lineup. I don't know if the Leafs are shooting for the for the legit number one top four defenseman. I think they're shooting for a three or a four, which I think Janssen could fetch if they add a little bit to an Andreas Janssen trade. I think like Janssen or Kapanen could fit that mold. Well, to me, I look uh, so like Matt Dumba. I don't think he's a number one. I think he's a three or a four. Same yeah. with with uh, Damon Severson. Yeah. But I don't think either of those would you would get either of them with a Janssen or Kapanen being the main piece. Yeah. Unless you're adding like a first round pick, which they say they don't want to do. Now don't want to do is not we're not doing it. Yeah. But you know, they've already they you know, two years in a row this will be now without their first round pick. They really want to keep going down the well. And the last couple first round picks turned out pretty are turning out pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> So, right. you know, it's 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 going to be a tough decision. It's going to be tough to try and, and get them the defenseman that they need. Like, it's it's fine to say, yep, they need to. That's what they have to do. But when you look at the roster, the way it's constructed, and you look at what they have available to them, it's not as easy to make a trade. 
unless they move on from players that you're not having conversations about. Like a Morgan Riley. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That was my that was my point with the that's my point with the Morgan Riley. Well, I question. get it, but I personally don't think that's the answer. Yeah, it might not be, but I like it. I think it was a fun hypothetical. All right, can I go with my second one? Yes. With the Athletic releasing their expansion draft or their pre-expansive draft like predictions, mm-hmm. uh, the Seattle franchise will not have the same success Vegas had when they came into the league because they don't have the same options. Cosine. That was a terrible one. I know, dude. I have nothing today. It's freaking Wednesday morning. My brain's mush. You could have had... Here, I'll do one for you. Fine. Cosine, no sign. Still has to do the same thing. Seattle will make more than one move ahead of the expansion draft to collect either prospects and or picks. I say no. I don't think they do that because I don't think anybody's willing to do that anymore. Not one team? No. So you think a team like Minnesota would rather just give up Matt Dumba? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Why not just let them take what they're going to take and then... Why would you give them... Like, why well, would you give them... Like, they're going to take someone from point, your team anyway. Well, let's think about it. So... Why would uh, you give them two people... Why would you let them take two people from your team? Some of them didn't matter. Like, some of those trades didn't really turn out to be that bad for, for those teams. I think Minnesota's one of them where they would have probably would have had to give up Matt Dumba. Yeah. And they ended up giving up, I think, Alex Holla, Tuck. Alex Holla Tuck. and Alex Tuck. They have Holla and Alex Tuck, dude. I wouldn't do that. To Holla has, Dumba. like, 11 goals. First of all, he's been traded since because he was underperforming. He had one good year. And Alex Tuck, I think, has eight, go- eight points this he year. Injured. He was injured. I'm just saying, so it's like, who would you rather have right now? Would you trade Tuck and Holla for Matt Dumba? No. So they made the better choice. They have the better player. It's true. I just so don't like it, it, The it, thing is, I think that, I think it actually would it would balance out a little bit. I just personally don't like Holla and Tuck more than Dumba, but I think that it's a it would be a fair offer. So I guess I get where you're coming from. Like I guess it would be a fair-ish trade. Yeah. I think there's not going to be as many deals. But I do think that there will be one, two, maybe a third side deal. I do think that there's going to be some teams that are so, you know, they think that they're pretty close and they have a lot of players and they don't want to lose them and they're willing to lose a first-round pick to keep that player. I think that there are going to be those guys. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> really professional, bro. All right. Uh, I totally snaked your, your cosign, no sign on that one. Uh, all right, I got a second one, though. We'll keep it, we'll keep it quick because we're almost at 40 minutes. Cool. Uh, it's time for the Natural Predators to rebuild. Cosign, no sign. Uh, ooh, that's a doozy. I would say cosign, but I think it's no sign because they don't. They have too much to. They have too much locked up with too many older players they can't skate that they can't just pawn off. You know what I mean? Ryan Johansson is that a movable contract? Eight years, another seven something. He makes seven? Five years after this, he got eight mil. Eight mil? Oh, that's 27. Tough, that's a tough trade. That's a tough contract to trade. He's only a, what, 60-point scorer? He only scores 10 to 15 goals a year, max. Well, Ryan Johansson? Yeah, he never, get, he never gets 20. He's not a 20-goal scorer. Didn't he score 
And he scored 30 in like his second 30. year. And he's never hit 20 since, I don't think. Yeah, he had 120. He like, hasn't hit 20 since he got He's started. not even a consistent 20 goal scorer. Yeah. He's like a 10 to 15 goal scorer, maybe a 15 to 17. But like something like that, 60-point guy. He does get a lot of assists, but he can't really skate. And I'm, and this is coming from a guy who's... Okay, let's, let's keep going. Let's so, Johansson, tough to move. Matt Duchesne, 8 mil for the next six years after this. Duchesne's a little easier to move because Duchesne still has, like, the wheels that can actually skate. He's 29. But he's 29. He's getting there. He's getting up there in age. His production isn't as high as it used to be. He, tough contract to move. Philip Forsberg, 6 mil for the next two years after this. 25 years old. That's a movable contract. That's a movable contract. You can move on from that, but I don't know if you want. Again, that's the thing. That's a guy you might want to keep <laughs> if you're in Nashville, right? Turris. Six oh, mil the next four years. There could not be any less movable contract than Kyle Turris. Yeah. That's the worst one. That's the, that was the worst one of them. Even Nick Benino, they got for another year after this at 4.1 million. 31 years old. So what used to be such a strength for them... Down the middle, when they had Johansson, Duchesne, Turris, Benino, they thought that they had an unreal center core. And it turns out they all started regressing all at the same time. And now it's like, oh, we have how much locked up into our got four guys down the middle and neither of them are producing? Nobody has more than 30 points? <laughs> like, Roman Yossi leads this team by in lot. points by... I think last That's I like saw 11. 13 or 16 points. Is it that high? Yeah. Thought, last time I checked, it was like 11. No. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he's – it's your defenseman. So to be fair, he's a, a lot, man. Of, to be fair, he's a heck of a defenseman. No, no, 100%. percent not but, taking anything, anything from him. He's a Norris caliber defenseman. But there is a lot here that – I'm just not getting it done. Yeah, it's like they're and, almost in the same boat as, as San Jose. The, but if that's the case, is is that where you kind of you're stuck in this limbo? Like, well, we can't move any of these guys, so we might as well add and see if we can compete. Is that like, are they in that weird of a window? Like, Pekarene has one more year left on his deal. He's done, probably. Like the Pekarene can't really play anymore. Yeah, <laughs> they don't really have it. Like, I mean, Saros is their next option, but I mean, Saros isn't the be all end all. I think Michael Granlin's a UFA at the end of the year. Craig that's a guy. They could, that's a guy they can move on from. I think they can move both of those they guys. Get something back because Granlin does have some value. I, I could see a team biting up, like a cup caliber team biting on that and adding to their top nine. Yeah, like I think that that's a reasonable move. Craig Smith, same thing. Yeah, I can and same with Craig Smith. Yeah, I could see. I could see both of those being a reasonable move they can make to get something back. Maybe they get like a lower end prospect and like a draft pick or something for those kinds of guys if they. Honestly, they probably have to eat some money, though. So, I ask you, is it time for them to rebuild? Is it time? Yes, but do I think they will? No. All right. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yes. Third one for you. Okay, this one is... uh, Just as bad as the second one? It's honestly worse, because there's no no (laughs) option to do... There's no no no-sign option on this one. Uh, With the the depths on the Leafs forward group, Andreas Janssen is the most likely Maple Leaf to be traded. No sign. You think you don't think Janssen's the most likely? No. You think it's Kapanen? I think it's Trevor Moore. You think Trevor Moore gets moved? Yep. What do they get for Trevor Moore? I don't know. 
Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they just trade Andreas Johnson if he's going to play on their on their third line? Listen, left Brandon, wing? I'm a toddler, and you said that I can't no sign it. So yeah, so I'm you're going, going to no sign so it. You're going to and go with Trevor Moore. Yeah, okay, I and see it happening. When he gets traded, I'm going to come back to this podcast and throw it in your face that I was right and you were wrong again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's any. Uh, I don't think he doesn't get moved. He's the guy. <laughs> he's he's somebody who, for sure, and even in the last game, he was kind of di- down on the third line. Um, I, to be honest, I actually like him on that third which line. Which fine, but when you're, you're making $3.4 million, that's a little much to be playing on the third line. And he's Not playing on the, on, the, on the power play, not... The reason I think he's movable is because he's proven he actually can be a top six winger, I think. Because... Like I mean, for the most part, where he can he can fit in in the top six, maybe not. He doesn't maybe have the high end production. He's a producer, that's the problem. Yeah, he doesn't have the high end production, but he fits in. I think, in a similar way to Zach Hyman, he kind of fits. You know what I'm saying? He's got like a shooting percentage of like three. Yeah, I know, but he fits. Like he's a he's a good piece that can get that right. can that can work for you. So I think somebody who wants an upgrade in their top six, he's a decent fit. That that's the reason I would see. And that's why I would I would I would think people would be inquiring on Janssen over Kapanen because from what from what you've seen Janssen fits Kapanen doesn't. It would seem that it would like definitely a rebuilding team might have interest in him because they just won't have the firepower or skill to push him down the lineup, and they would you know kind of be forced to have him in the top six. Um, I just don't know if he's a legitimate top six player. Can he play in the top six? Sure, but I don't know if that's going to be. A guy that I would hang my hat on moving forward, be like, okay, he's a piece for the future. He's a piece that we can move up with, move on with, knowing that we have, you know, a, a second line winger locked up long term. And for that reason, I just don't know if if the Leafs are going to get as much value for him as fans are expecting. Like, that's, I, I just, that's I, fair. I, I don't I, see them getting a top end defenseman. Yeah, I, I, I actually do agree with that as well. I just think it's a guy they have to move out anyways. Even if they get a little bit lesser value than they would like, I think that's a, a spot that they have to clear up some money. Do you to, move Do you move him, let's just hypothetically, do you move him for Georgiev, one for one? Georgiev has another year after this, another deal after this year? I believe he's an RFA. It's tough. Um... That's a tough one. I I would consider it. I, I would have to consider and it. Let's say a, a third pairing right shot defenseman. The Rangers wouldn't throw in a defenseman. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just spitballing. <laughs> um, like, I would. I would do it. I would do it if it was an option. But I, yeah, I would. I, I'm comfortable with Pierre Engvall and Trevor and the Trevor Moores out there. I'm comfortable with those guys just slotting into where Janssen's kind of fit in now. Like, I'm comfortable with that. And I also... Do you want to know why I'm so team trade Andreas Janssen? It's, it's going to be super stupid, but it's so funny. So Rasmus Sandin's jersey number 38. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get number 18 out of there to clear up a spot for Rasmus Sandin to have a real jersey number. 18? Yes. That's a real jersey number to you? Yes. 18? Yes. What other defenseman has ever worn 18 Who in his cares? Life? I think it would look good. No, it would not look it good. It would look good. I think he wants to be number 18. I, the day 
Andreas Janssen gets traded and Rasmus Sandin changes his number to 18, you will, I will come on this podcast and I will gloat for days. No. I will gloat for days, brother. All right. Uh, my third one and final one, we got to keep this quick. Uh, Jack Eichel remains with the Sabres for the duration of his contract. He's got six years left. Cosign? I don't see Jack Eichel leaving Buffalo. I mean, maybe he'd want to. But Ooh, I don't think they'd move him. I don't. I mean, rather regardless whether he wanted to or not, I don't think Buffalo would move on from him. I think maybe he would. I mean, if he asked for a trade, he kind of like I don't want to be here. And then he becomes a detriment in the locker room. Everyone knows he doesn't want to be there. Yeah, too bad. It, too bad, Jack. Well, You're I, stuck. You you sign in Buffalo. You're well, I mean, Buffalo. I think if Jack Eichel doesn't want to be there and he's not playing to the best of his abilities because he doesn't care about that organization and they're missing the playoffs year after year after year, they might look to move him. And bring in some high quality talent. Yeah, I don't. I, a Jack Eichel trade would be very, very, very hard for me to see. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna go no sign because it just seems very unrealistic. Like right. it might happen, it's possible, but I don't see it. I don't see a way that could possibly work. So no. All right, uh, that's gonna do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck and follow Brandon at B underscore Cameron two two two. All right, enjoy the game, everybody. Leafs versus Stars tonight. Puck drop at seven thirty. Be sure to check back in here tomorrow where I'll be chatting about the uh, the post game and. Uh, That'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully we can chat about a win. I always love chatting about wins. But until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leaps.